like living with a six-year-old. I still go on play dates. I just call them play dates so I can go out with Eric and Paul and Adam. <laughs> you sound like his mom. He likes sports too. You guys would be such good friends. I'll do all the technical aspects. Adam will be the face. Paul will be the muscle. And then Eric will be oh, the we're, sales guy. We're screwed from the muscle. <laughs> Paul will be muscle and the troubadour. I handed a jar to my son to open the other day, so we're in bad <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of the Four Fathers Podcast, where we talk about faith, family, and other F-words. Let's give it a shot. Welcome <laughs> to the Four Fathers Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Adam. I'm Adam. I'm Fife. And I'm Paul. You're listening to the podcast about faith, fatherhood, friendship, fellowship, and other F words like uh, finger painting or fishing or figure skating, which, what do they all have in common besides being uh, starting with an F is that they are all hobbies. So, I mean, they're not our our hobbies here, but they are hobbies in general. So we thought today we would... Wait, can't you see me figure skating? Wait a minute! You, we're not talking about hobbits. We're talking about hobbies. <laughs> Sorry, oh, did you misread the memo? We're talking about oh, hobbies. So prepped. Who's your favorite? Frodo, Sam, Bilbo, Gollum. Exactly. I like He's the writers. So he, he was one of the Hobbit boy. ancestors, or whatever. Oh, what? Yeah. So let's trade back on the track. Before he turned into Gollum. <laughs> was, was he a Hobbit? Hobbit? I thought he was a sea, like one of the sea people next to the water. Was he a Hobbit? Uh, the illusion Maybe. is that he was kind of a hobbit type creature. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's why he was able to last so long with the ring. Uh, yes. Yes. Yes, yes. This really turned in the wrong direction. Faith, <laughs> <laughs> fatherhood, and fellowship. I Apparently, said fellowship. I said fellowship, and I maybe I meant a, a Christian fellowship, fellowship and maybe I meant <laughs> fellowship with the ring. You never know. I mean, there's only four of us. We're missing five. There's not nine, so we have issues there. All right. So today we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to. Um, grill each other like we all have a hobby we all have certain hobbies that we do and um, I realize that we give Fife lots of um, grief about his ham radio hobby and I really haven't found out much about it about what how he got into it what what he what he does so I thought it'd be a good thing for all of us we'll all talk about a, a hobby so um, <clears throat> so um, Adam why don't we start with you um, with you tonight uh, what's well, like the hobby that you're going to be talking about? Finger what? painting. Finger painting. Excellent. <laughs> so, How did you get into finger that. painting? Well, it, it was a long time ago. No, no. Uh, I think one of my one of the hobbies I was, wanted to talk about is uh, I am a uh, New Hampshire mapler, and have been maple making maple syrup for the past five and a half, almost almost six years. Huh. So. So how did you uh, how did you get into that? Uh. I moved it. I bought a property in New Hampshire and found that the property was loaded with maple trees. And I was like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's really how I got into it. So See, I a lot of out. us would have been like, hey, that's great. But like, let me go do some other things. But you were like, I need to. There's an untapped potential literally here. That I need to do. And the, I need previous, to... the previous owners did mapling on the property. Here oh, too, did they? So, yeah. Nice. So. so um, Adam, you said you're a New Hampshire maple artist. Is there like an official card that comes with it? Like, yeah, uh, I made it up know, myself in crayon. Card? <laughs> <laughs> with did finger, finger paint and maple syrup? Exactly. I did. Yes. I finger painted my, <laughs> yeah. my official card. Um, <laughs> no, we started out with, uh, started out that first year on a barrel evaporator, and lo, lo and behold, uh, it was about 
35 trees? The 35, 40 was that, trees? Was that the cabana phase? Uh, that was in the back of the back of the barn, in the horse barn, uh, where I had with the, 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 uh, the, the half cabana uh, sticking at the top of the... Yeah, yeah. With, uh, with what do you mean by half cabana? The roof. You don't remember him cutting a hole in the roof of the barn, and he had like the cabana over it. Was it uh, bamboo looking posts and like uh, you know thatched roof? You don't remember seeing that? Yeah, that was the thing that was like right on the back of your where your arcade is, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Before you moved it away from the house because the sugar syrup was making everything sticky. No, 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 no. (laughs) I upgraded because that year, that year. I Honey, I'm trying to do the taxes I was, and all that. I was boiling together. I was our, our first year the boiling. We uh, we so the barrel evaporator they started out uh, on would boil at even at high capacity, maybe two point three gallons of water an hour, and that year I am I collected over a thousand gallons. So wow. so uh, we were out there. And and I started that was started tapping before Valentine's Day weekend in uh, February, and we went all the way until almost April, and oh that gosh. was Monday wow. through Sunday, boiling out there all day long, on boiling two point three gallons of sap syrup, uh, so of sap. Excuse so me. So being a maple and, and did hold on, hold on, and and. We ended up having to toss about 400 gallons because I couldn't keep up. It spoiled before get I could get. Yeah. Wow. But that year, that first year, we made about 11 like gallons. So. And that's still on the front lawn. What the 11 gallons? The 400 gallons. The 400 gallons. No, no, it evaporated back into the ground. It evaporated <laughs> into the ground, dude. I'm gonna say it's, it's maple. So I don't thin. think it evaporates quite. It's now so part of your aquifer. So It's very thick. And then, uh, like, and then from that standpoint, right. we. Uh, the we did that for two years and then I upgraded and built a pallet sugar shack out back and upgraded my evaporator unit to be able to boil off now roughly about seventeen gallons an hour. So wow. one million so, gallons. That's pretty uh, awesome actually. And then uh and there's still some modifications I can do to get it up a little bit higher too. Um before like buy a jet engine. <laughs> and, and and we went from thirty. We went from about 35, 30, 35 taps to over three hundred and fifty. Wow! With this year we are now going to be at. We're um, tapping another property, another thirty-acre property with with sugar maples on it. So I could be well over four hundred trees. So do you have a shirt that says "I'd tap that"? <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I may or may not have a shirt or hat that says that. <laughs> It should have a picture of a tree on it. I'm just saying that's it, the only way does. to keep that appropriate. But it does. yeah, it does even that's kind of even that's kind of borderline. So, so, yeah, no, so the been... process starts in when does the process start? When do you start? Uh, usually starting things. Well, depending on <laughs> depending on the weather, uh, cooperates and usually it's in February into March and potentially into April. So you start tapping in February, or you start tapping earlier uh, than that? I usually tap February. It depends on the season. Sometimes I tap early February. Sometimes I tap mid-February. Uh, this past year, I tapped closer to the end of February, and the season was fairly short. We were done by the end of May, the end of the uh, the end of the third weekend in March. So, would you say it's a premature tapping situation? <laughs> uh, I I uh, 
could not confirm nor deny that, depending on the the. So uh, when you run the, the tube from the taps, how how many like buckets do they run into? Like, does it all so, just run so into one universal a, so I, one? This, this, last year, I started doing gravity fed lines, so I have about uh, about a hundred trees on gravity. Uh, about 200 on bucket on my property right now and then i have another property across town that has uh 80 uh, buckets um that property will probably stay at that that uh interval um the property on the house will probably add an additional uh will probably transition a couple hundred more trees over to to uh gravity fed next year so it's a little less Little less bucket usage at the, the in the interest or in the interest um in at the at the <laughs> at the uh, <laughs> at the risk of asking a stupid question what's the difference between gravity fed and bucket fed less or work. bucket <laughs> Duh. less stress on your back so so basically the gravity fed lines are are tapped into the tree and with the pressure of the tree it it it's a uh, basically a link of trees that you tie in to uh from from the, your start point down to mm -hmm. your end point, which would be a container for holding, and nature's gra natural gravity will push the sap out into the holding tank, and from there you just pump it up to your main uh, station. And then, and then some of them you just have to go because it, there's no what trees close enough, so you have to just go into a bucket and then pick up the buckets, yep. kind of thing. Yeah, some of them are just not. It's worth sort of like when you build a network and you it costs too much to run fiber between two very long, long properties, <laughs> so you just decide to put a, a Wi-Fi link. There in you go, mesh network. Yeah, call it a day. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's fun. It's a lot nice. of work. So, how does through. the um? So you mentioned is boiling. Is there any union? Um, how, so how does how do you actually make sap? What's the what's the process like? So basically, <laughs> you're boi it's like you boiling water, treatment. except when you boil water, normal water, it evaporates. In the, if you boil it enough, it just evaporates and you burn your pan. This one will will evaporate to a, a brown sugary liquid, which will cost you a lot of money if you don't <laughs> if you don't uh, take it off the pan at a certain time. So. But uh, so yeah, no, it's it's basically the the operation is is uh, you're boiling off the water content and leaving the sugar behind, uh, which your uh, your kind of sweet spot is seven degrees over boiling. So depending on your bar your barometric pressure of where you're at, uh, the no the normal boiling point of water is two twelve, so your syrup is two nineteen. But it could be different depending on the temperature and pressure, so it could be. So you really have to work to keep the temperature the same the whole time. So so like the way I run class. so there's several different methods of, of boiling. You have batch. We'll get boiling. to you, ham boy. Give me a second. I've got some questions for you. This, uh, batch boiling, where you're just boiling in a pot and just continuing to add syrup to it, and then there's uh there's more sophisticated. Um, uh, evaporators where they have a in, inlet feed and it, and it runs through several channels and in those channels uh, as as you're introducing new sap in it's pushing the old it's pushing the uh, heavier denser syrup through the channels mm -hmm. to your uh, output where you filter off of that's it. the kind so. you have right yep yep so so you said how many years have you been doing this like seven eight uh this is be the sixth year okay yeah. So what's the most creative thing you found to use your maple syrup for? <laughs> most creative thing? <laughs> um, 
I don't think there's much cream. I just drink it straight. My no, just I put it in my coffee every morning. That sounds tasty. Sickos. It actually is. <laughs> it is tasty, and I will tell you, tell you, Adam, you've ruined me. Like, I go to Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm like, can I have some liquid sugar? Ah, uh, this doesn't taste good. I want some maple syrup. Do you have any maple syrup? <laughs> yeah, they give you anchovies or log cabin, which should be outlawed. Spot of Satan. So, okay, I have, I, I gotta ask the the non like technical side of questions because like every hobby has it. It's like so when you started mapling, you obviously were connecting with people and learning. Yeah. Like, was there a uh, initiation session that went occur like occurred through the process? No, so you have to like, chug a gallon of maple syrup no, at one shot. No, no initiation, just just a network of. Uh, no, that, that, now I was thinking more acing in that side, but I'm talking about like oh, they're like you know they looked down at you when you said you had the small little twenty nope, gallon boiler never. until you got like the bigger size. You know how it is nope. like when you get into like classic cars no, and stuff it's like that. It's the same that, thing with like, any hobby. People are always excited when people get into it, and, and then they just say, "You're you don't know what you're getting into. Don't do this," <laughs> because or you have the couple of people that are really excited to have somebody else that they can taint, and you have yeah. the other guys that are like, "No, go away! This is a bad place right. for you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, yeah, uh, it it's uh, you start out small, and next thing you know, you've got four hundred trees, and you're. Collecting no. over 13, 14, 15, 1900 gallons of. Did you buy support. any of this stuff retail or did you just find it through like Facebook so Marketplace I, and other, I, other I mailers and the, stuff? My pan I bought retail and the equipment's the most expensive. Um, <coughs> at this. Uh, excuse me for a second. At this that's, point, that's lung cough, sugar lung cough. <laughs> sugar lung cough. Yeah, I know. It's, in, it's all the evaporation. When that a, when that canary on. passes out because it's been eating too much syrup, you, you have to get out of there, man. I know what happens. What happens. Um, uh, the uh, so my uh, my initial my initial setup when I started, uh, I bought a brand new barrel evaporator unit. Their kits it was about three hundred bucks, uh, and then I went from three hundred bucks to fourteen hundred dollars for Oof. my my evaporator unit and so it's a gradual increase it's not like you know 300 from, to 14 from yeah gradual grand. <laughs> that's gradual uh, in an exponential yeah. way yeah that's how yeah yeah and then uh the next unit up will probably be about two grand 25 to to twenty six hundred dollars so, so where's your stopping point that's the question 30 gallons like you, you have a place you're not going to go beyond 30 well, gallons well, his next purchase is a rocket engine to heat the <laughs> condenser pan, the evaporator. No, pan. well, no, uh, so I, 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 <laughs> I cook, I boil with uh, with wood. So, and then it's 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 forced air into the evaporator. So there's some it, there's some additional enhancements I got to do to the to the actual evaporator base this year to kind so, of seal it up more. With the wood, like you know how in barbecue wood. Affects flavor, same thing. It no. does do that in maple. At no, all? you. I mean, you want to mix. Uh, like you most, spend time with them. All most the time maple in the you, you boil with. <laughs> are you the boil, boiling with pine because you want something that's fast, burns hot and quick. So, uh, what I end so, up usually doing is I'll, I my primary is pine, but I'll mix some hardwood in there every once in a while to get a, like one or two logs that are burning some longer. consistency in the heat. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But, uh, when I first started and... out, the the I just. Uh, was just using fire bricks and you'd get up closer to the evaporator and you'd burn your crotch 
and then uh, eventually started uh, upgrading. <laughs> no, you wouldn't burn your crotch with maple syrup. You burn your crotch with. Were you thinking about? It'd be so college? hot, people would be standing so far back. Stop pushing it with pants. your, you know. Can you just pants. rename your to to the burn crotch sugar shack and and the just like that'd be a pretty good get a brand the burn crotch maple. What creator? Yeah, like, you're like, not branding me, Adam. Crotch, Even when crotch. I come down to help, you're not branding me. Crotch burnt maple. Crotch burnt maple. That's right. Uh, what was that T-shirt but, uh, uh, the, uh, that was going on when we grew up? The, the um, co-ed naked. Oh uh, yeah, crotch. that's right up right along those lines. Absolutely. But uh, no, so I've made some improvements over the years and put in some uh, um, put in some additional fire brick, added some uh, some oh. uh, ceramic insulation into the unit. So. You can literally so, walk up and touch the side of the pan at 500, 600 degrees. Uh, side oh, of the so base, not, it, just, it would just be warm. We're talking hobbies. How much time do you spend in the off-season thinking about it or studying uh, it? Or I, I subscribe to Maple Times, which is a monthly, Are you a serious? monthly newspaper that comes in. My wife got me a subscription. That's awesome. Do you actually oh read God. it every month, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tells me about all the upcoming stuff. What's going are on the, in Canada? Are the pages are the pages <laughs> sticky? They are not sticky, right you gross man. <laughs> like I want, I want to hear like a paragraph out of this thing. Come on, you gotta have one. Uh, it's they're in they're in the other they're in the house. I don't have it with me. But. Are they in the, your special room that you no. spend forty five minutes a day in? No, and by that he needs the bathroom, guys. Just so everybody's no. clear. <laughs> I don't spend forty five minutes in the bathroom. That's that is right, a lie. In the office. Yeah. <laughs> on the throne. So. So no, it's fun. It's fun. It's a lot of work. Like Set up and for prep. the hobby, do you have to spend money to maintain or no? No, um, no, not a lot. What you could, aside from just cleaning out your equipment, um, it's not something that you have to like maintain, like an engine or something like that. Or right. Like a There's not a lot of moving hobby. parts, right? Um, it's just it's like just, you never burn through the pan at all. Like you're well, you burn through the pan. I'm in trouble. <laughs> so that's the one thing. So with a with a with a split a split divide pan, I'm watching my temperature. I'm watching my out. So when I'm drawing off maple syrup, I'm also watching my inlet to make sure I have two inches in the pan at all times. Um, probably I may get to a point where I get an auto draw off and put it in, but but it kind of takes the fun out of it. Um, because basically, uh, the the auto draw from the from my warming pan. So I have a five gallon warming pan that sits on top of the evaporator itself to just heat up the sap, so it's not like cold, freezing cold sap yeah, coming right. into the pan and killing the heat. So at least it's warmed up. Uh, um, but I uh, I may eventually get an auto draw off um, uh, from the. Uh, from the pan into the eva- from my warming pan into the evaporator. Uh, a year and a half ago, I put in a uh, pressure uh, a uh, uh, of a uh, uh, bob uh, bobble gate for uh, the feeding of the uh, warming pan from my main tank that sits out on, outside the sugar shack. Oh. So there's always a fun. bobble gate. Yeah, it's it's basically just a a, a valve, a float. So it's it's like a float one. valve. So oh. so it just it keeps five gallons of of warm sap in the in the pan at all t- in the in the warming pan at all times so i never i'm never at oh. a point where i'm trying to run out and i need to i'm now running out of stuff in my warming pan because i'm over i'm over i'm drawing off too fast and i'm getting below that inch and a half mark so 
So obviously there's like two components with Mabling that we've all kind of been privy to, at least in this group and whatnot, is that you obviously have the public side that's like, hey, I'm never going to do this, but I want to come see you do it. But then you've got your Maplers. How often do you spend time like go visiting their Maple Shacks? And oh, it, seeing usually uh, when Maple season starts up, I'm, I'm going to like I have five or six different shacks that I go to during the week. I'll take a night off and go hang out with someone else. That's kind of fun. Now, the- yeah. And then we do no, we do Maple Weekend at our house, so we basically pull out the grills and we are we're boiling. It's usually towards the end of the boil for the season, but we're full swing. So we, last year we had almost almost sixty people come through. We actually had youth group at your That's Maple awesome. Shack on Maple yeah. Weekend. Yeah. Hey, we recorded one episode there, but that was a horrible <laughs> episode that we'll never take out of the archives ever again. <laughs> never. That's going to be part of the pay. Pay member access stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's a great gift. Here, here, have a crappy recording of us. <laughs> Thanks for your money. <laughs> it was so bad we transcribed it automatically for you. Um, so, with the um, what was my question? I was going to say. Um, oh man, I forgot what I was going to ask. With the Maplers themselves, like, do you find like you? Like there's there's obviously the commercial guys that you guys don't compete with or do compete with or don't like look talk to like yeah, is there a dividing wall like I'll I'll do some sales of, of maple syrup that will just put the money back in but this is not a this is a non not for profit business at this point <laughs> this is a hobby right. it's actually it, a complete money gifts. loss just so we're all clear <laughs> well, well am I losing oh, well, no, no, right I mean, now. A gallon of maple syrup is is almost sixty five bucks. <clears throat> wow, that's so. almost more expensive than gas. Yeah. <laughs> 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 almost. <laughs> Except you're not going to pour that stuff in your tank. No, that's a oh, much different can't. issue. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's, so, um, it's more about getting people to hang out, cool. drink beers, maple. So you obviously haven't touched upon your expansion. You've done uh, so some yeah, expansion. so this coming year, I have permission to expand north of my property so no but not like even in that i'm talking about like beyond just like collecting the sap and making maple syrup you've done other stuff with it right Besides uh, oh, bathing yes it. yeah so my for for anyone who lives close by there is a brewery in goffstown new hampshire in that in that area called uh called um uh mountain base brewery and uh they ended up using my maple in a maple stout so oh that's awesome yummy. Wow! Yeah. Except it tastes like beer. It's yummy. Yeah, it's, it's actually the guys who tasted it are like my beer connoisseur friends at Ham Radio. You know, had some good input on it. And it was like it's really, really dark. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, wow, it is stout. <laughs> yeah, well, stout's generally dark, but you add your maple syrup, which is already dark in general. It really, <laughs> but like, the maple, the maple like flavor is pretty not. decent. It's not too. Yeah, it was pretty good. So. I had it later, and I thought it was really good. So, cheers to you and raising a, a, a maple syrup. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stout. I mean pretty good six years you find out your maple you know, i'm not i'm not you're, like you're. the king of maple in the state of new hampshire but my maple's been put into a, a locally owned business so so that's sweet yeah it's awesome a, a so, hobby that's that's pretty and good it's, for and it's pretty uh well. it's pretty popular too so they'll uh they'll be doing several other rounds so cool cool nice so you're going to be doing it for the next 10 years Yep, 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 and that's when I thought about that. So, yes, yes, I will probably be doing okay. it for the next ten years. Yes, or until Standing. he gets bored. Uh, it's one or the no, other. Well, no, I wouldn't. Nah, there's there's no, yeah, you never. Yeah, when you're tired. It, 
what? Am I tired? Yeah, tired? Heck. No, I say when there are things you do when you're in retirement. I like, are you going to do it when you're retired? <laughs> <clears throat> oh yeah, most definitely. But yeah, <laughs> there's nothing better than sitting down there and just the smell of maple wafting in the air. It's yeah, just, it's awesome. And uh, and I'll uh, there'll be other things I'll do where it will be a little more automated so that I le- less bucket carrying. Um, we'll keep some of the buckets for people who want to learn the process and. We usually have a bunch of. I was gonna say automated like Isabel and Drew. Hey, go maple for me. Well, that's how it is now. They they go out and drive the four wheeler and collect. That's uh, gonna be hiring. But yeah, even at like two hundred and ninety buckets is is a lot to 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 manage and pick up. And usually, I usually do it in sections. So one day I'll collect here, next day I'll collect over here. So I'm not trying to collect everything at once, killing myself. But uh, we'll we'll start to move a lot more to gravity fed. And being able to contain it, and then uh, and then just cool. pump it up to the four wheeler, and then pump it up to the main station. So I think next year, along with the additional properties, we'll look at a. I'll probably end up getting a two stage gas pump, to our gas powered pump to be able to pump up from the site location from different site locations on the property. So one last question then, what, like, so you got all these other sites? Are these people you're like? making deals with to say like hey i'll give you maple syrup if i tap your trees uh yep yep so a cu- okay. couple that i found in this other property they uh they run a farm uh and uh they have 30 acres uh off the back side of their property that's sloped coming down towards the house that are all sugar maples so so they're like we're not doing this because we don't have time because we're doing everything else around the farm but you have full reign to go ahead and tap and just for a couple bottles, I said sure. Cool. So, and That's their awesome. their their son is a is a mapler down in New York. He took over the family business, so they they're a family of maplers. But uh, oh, wow. they just they they run a special needs farm um, up here, and so they uh, they just don't have time to tap yeah. and boil, and so so. We'll That's be, awesome. uh, is that that farm there. that's up on the hill by you? Uh, no, it's in it's in another town. So. And then, uh, so I'll be going out there in August to, to start tagging trees and laying routes for lines. Start touching them, going, "Hey, you're a beautiful one. <laughs> beautiful tree. Make some maple syrup for me." That's awesome. Oh, there's man. so many shirt ideas with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's gonna be lots of shirt ideas. That's a great segue. Talk about shirt ideas. So let's t- start talk about ham, ham, some ham shirts. So okay, so, so let's, let's just cut the chase. Ham radio has nothing to do with ham whatsoever, so don't you can just get that well, out. Well, then own they heads. should change the name because I don't. I'm very I, confused. Let me enlighten you why they call it ham radio, and okay. I can solve probably ninety percent of your. And you're you saying know, it has nothing to do with pork. Has nothing to do with the pork, the pork industry, or any pork products whatsoever. But it should. Uh, it should. No, 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 it should not. Because <laughs> you know, if anything, if you ever seen or had uh, received RF burns from you know an antenna or whatever, it does not do anything good to your skin. Um, but ham in general, and there's no, there's no historical record, but the 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 historical kind of you know story that goes around is there was a company that created back in i don't know like early world war one when radio communications started to come into you know the foreground and they started using it more in the military company called hammerland was the company that made the radios for the military Mm -hmm. and so they would the military people would always say you know i'm on the ham radio you know or making contact with the ham you know 
uh, using the ham radio. And it was just always just short because military loves to abbreviate the crap out of everything. Um, so that's kind of how it adopted and, and rolled into. And so from that, like World War, you know, scenarios where soldiers went out and started learning how to use ham radio and, and Morse code and all of that other stuff to communicate in the field. Um, they all came back. And so they had all of this opportunity to, you know, continue in the hobby that, you know, they enjoyed while they were doing, you know, obviously that for their job in the military. And from that, you know, kind of birthed the amateur radio, you know, um, you know, FCC, you know, frequency, um, spectrum and, you know, licensing and all of the other stuff that kind of goes with it. So amateur radio is really the hobby and it's really meant for, you know, joe's average joe's like ui and anybody else who has a either an interest in communications and wants to be able to use long distance communications so where like you've got your small little field service you know frs radios that we all see like families have when you go to like carnivals and stuff like that that's all like shortwave communication so you've got if you've ever looked at um the world and seeing all of the layers from you know the edge of the you know basically the surface of the earth and all the way out through the atmosphere each of those layers has a different um refraction service and so when you bounce radio frequency waves off of them you get different results meaning you get farther you know higher layers mean your signal will trap far will bounce farther higher up in the atmosphere sort of like a ping pong ball and a a, a pin uh, pinball ball in a pin you know pinball machine the higher you hit it up the more it bounces around same thing with frequency waves so a lot of frequencies will you know on depending on what you have in the hobby will allow you to you know communicate longer and farther distances now it's not guaranteed because things change the sun loves to screw things up and mess things up um and so you've got like all of the issues with sunspots and sun flares and all of those things that you hear from time to time when the news reports, you know, hey, GPS communications will be crap today because, you know, uh, we've got it. We're in a geomagnetic storm or something like that. Or you find that your, your, your app like Waze keeps timing out. Well, that's due to the fact that it can't connect to a satellite because the satellite's getting interfered with because the sunspots are causing, you know, these weird frequency refractions in your signal that I was trying to track on can't be tracked because it's getting, you know, bl- obliterated or blown away. So that's kind of the radio frequency side of the hobby, but there's a whole electronic side that, you know, that you get, you get to get play with and enjoy and, and be part of. So I don't know. Go ahead. That's kind of ham radio for me in a nutshell. I could go into more depth before, you know, I lose all of you guys to sleep, but um, you know, go ahead. Fire questions. So there's a, uh, it sounds like there's an electronics, a hardware piece, but there's very much a software piece too. Um, oh yeah. What, so what, what drew you to that? how did you get into it? Well, my my original like in high school, girls. I was always <laughs> probably <laughs> not. <laughs> After serving in World War One, you said I need to meet women, and I need to, I want to use my new ham radio to do that. So, trust me, putting a ham radio on your belt does not attract. <laughs> when I was a teenager, that was not one of the things I was like. Pretty much, hey babe, do you like my big giant radio on my side of my hip? No, it doesn't work that way. Um, but be it's a <laughs> no, but I looked really cool with a little microphone hanging from my lapel. Boy uh, Scout uniform. Um, so, so 
it started for me like in electronics. Like I always, always, as my parents probably contested, Adam would probably, you know, be part of that. We'd always take apart things. And so my love of just being able to learn how the things, you know, work and, you know, went from like a mechanical standpoint to like electronics when electronics started to come out and we started seeing them in our video games and started seeing them in the computer world and, and playing around with like simple circuits and understanding how that stuff worked. That was always fun. But then Adam and I, you know, and Adam can contest this because he played around with it very much. Like when we went on our first big family trip like down him. to Georgia, <laughs> the, um, the first trip down to Georgia, my parents threw a CB in the van and we've all played with a breaker one nine deal and you know, everyone knows how to talk to truckers. And so the love of like just communicating with total strangers and, you know, listening to them gab on and, you know, then that kind of goes into a little bit beyond of like, Hey, now I can listen to police frequencies and fire frequencies. Like how many of you guys had grandparents that would always have a scanner in their living room? And they'd be like, my aunt, I remember my aunt Margaret had a scanner on her desk, literally right next to her chair. And she would scan the, the frequencies in Newton and all the surrounding towns for fire and police and, you know, EMTs and listen to all that stuff. And she like memorized like all the 10 codes and understood all of that stuff because that's what she, you know, loved to do and listen, you know, to. And so I always had that kind of in the background. And so I was just really wanted to be more on the communication side of it, talking, um, but the big, the big thing with ham radio, it's a communications you know, mode. So whether you like to do the emergency preparedness kind of side of things for, you know, preparedness of hurricanes and that type of stuff, they have a, they have a, an area for you. If you just like to talk, you know, in general local communications, they have that component for you as well. If you want to just fool around with technology and, you know, electronic circuits and build radios and transmitters and all that stuff, there are people that do that. So the hobby is like huge. But there's so much more to the hobby now since it's like 20, like I took a 20 year, you know, stop for a while until Adam dragged me back in. So I can kind of blame him for that. Um, they, was it, why was it Maple Shack? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. What, like, what made you dig out your ham radio? That was, it was like right before COVID. I know. I was like, I got to put this back in the truck. <laughs> he puts it back in his truck. He's like, dude, I'm playing with ham radio. I'm like, yeah, that's great. I sold a lot of my ham radio stuff. He's like, you gotta get back into it. I'm like. Yeah, no. And then, like, I, I don't know what it was after that, but then I like I decided to go up on the internet to figure out like kind of where ham radio was. It was twenty years ago. Rabbit hole. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like twenty years ago, the licensing structure and the, within ham radio, you have to be a licensed amateur, which means you have to take a test, you have to study some theory, and understand how to practice and follow you know proper codes and things of that nature when you're communicating per FCC rules because the FCC governs the frequencies and manages all that stuff. So if you step out of line, there are people that listen and can, you know, basically threaten to take your license away. Are you one of those people, Fife? Are you an enforcer? No, God, no. I'm not that. I don't have the time to sit around and listen to everybody. you take classes so you could audit everybody too? No. (laughs) My brother, he's an auditor. (laughs) Um, Auditor, uh, more like it. An audit tour um the the um go ahead audit tour um the uh the whole app like the whole idea of communicating is it's fun because it's not like the people i talk to a lot of times when i'm talking long distances i you know they're like you exchange like signal reports you ask them a little bit about their radio but there's a strict kind of rule set that you don't like you follow like you don't talk about religion you don't talk about politics um, you don't talk about What's the point, you know, <laughs> there is so much. Other to talk about. Trust me. You'd be surprised. Do you ask them what they're wearing? What are you wearing? 
No, it's not, Send not that sexy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not through ham radio. But, but no, you actually can. Yeah, they have. You can send slow scan TV. That's kind of where you know, basically, that's where photos came from with SMS. A lot of funny is a lot of technologies that you guys use on a day to day basis with your cell phones come from ham radio, like SMS messaging. Um, yeah. That's all sent over radio waves. You know, that's all that methodology, those protocols, all that stuff. It was written in, you know, from a ham or a, a person who was, you know, basically creating these, you know, kind of methods and, you know, protocols to send information. I mean, the other things are like really cool things like, dude, how many of us want to talk to the ISS? Like, have you guys talked to the ISS at all? The International, the space that's the International Space Station. Yeah, no, I haven't. But I, I that, that actually would be really cool. That See, when he really said cool. that, I thought it was some sort of spy agency. And then yeah. I... Translated, yes, got it. Yeah. Yes, the International Space Station. Yeah, so like when it comes to satellites and stuff like that, outside of the fact that you've got um, what's his name or littering the Elon Musk, the yeah Elon Musk littering the uh, horizon with all of his you know satellites for internet. There's a slew of like satellites that you know hams and you know nonprofits put up in the you know skies to use for all different modes. And so you know one of the things is that you can. If as the satellite passes, you know, come around and you obviously can't, I mean, I showed you guys here, but, you know, obviously our guests don't see my shack here that I'm also in. There's a huge map, world map that tells me when the satellite, you know, the ISS makes pass over my house and, you know, in my general area or um, any of the other types of satellites that allow me to talk in different modes, whether it's data or, you know, voice or, you know, via Morse code or whatever. And so, you know, it's always evolving and there's always, you know, ways to you know, communicate with people and, you know, it, that's the fun part about it. It's yeah. like hunting. Like I can go out and find a contact in like, I just actually talked today. I through a digital mode, talked to a station, two stations, one in Japan and one in Ecuador. Um, you know, basically Shane exchanged call signs, basically a signal report on kind of, you know, our both methods and the communications. And that was over 4,000 miles. So one crazy. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and it didn't you know, cost you anything. Nothing. If I well, sent I mean, a text outside. there, it would cost me five bucks. Right. Well, it, yeah. and so here's the gripe. is like, and we, I hear this a lot, especially with like the wives of ham radio operators. It's like, well, I can pick up a phone and call someone in Japan. I'm like, well, then here's the phone. Go ahead. Call someone in Japan. Like, yeah, you can call some random stranger in Japan, but you're lucky if they'd actually pick up the phone if they didn't recognize, you know, your number or knew who you were or you weren't calling for, you know, some telemarketing. You know, scam or telemarketing, right. you know, type. Right. So. You know, it's that type of thing. So, what do you? Um, what does it mean when you exchange signal reports? What does that mean? So, like, like talk, t- take me through, like a. Sure. You know, you just called this person in Japan. Um, you like ham, they like ham. That's something to. <laughs> Great. To, <laughs> I'm more of a bacon exactly. guy. So, what is that? What is that? What does that call <laughs> workflow look like? What does that sound like? Yeah. So, you, it, so the mode you're kind of talking about is what they call phone or sideband. So it's a it's a mode that you're using your voice to communicate over long distances. And so there's frequencies that we are allotted as ham radio operators to operate in that operate voice type uh, communications. <laughs> and so, spin the dial, and we're going to call, either call out saying you know hey, and there's basically a bunch of special codes that you use that you have everyone knows that you know similar like how police have the 10 4 10 5 those types of codes the 10 codes that we all kind of yep. hear and sort of know ham radio has the same similar codes they're all called q codes and so each q code was really derived from morse code when morse code was coming you know morse code was used in you know military and you know kind of um you know 
uh, those types of long distance communications. They, they wanted a fast way to be able to send. Yeah, I got the message confirmed. They they created a, a list of Q codes. So like a QSL means yes, I confirmed your message, or do you do you confirm the message I'm sending or the information I'm providing to you? So if I was talking to someone in Japan and they have a specific call sign, and every every government and every um, country has their own allotment and their own sort of like we'll say FCC because that's what America uses of um, people who manage the band and manage these frequencies and manage the, uh, you know, those folks that, you know, who are amateur radio operators that want to operate in those frequencies, you know, their testing and the licensing, you know, structure. And so um, when I reach out to that Japan station, the way I know it's a Japan station, obviously is based off of their call sign. And you could look all this stuff up on the internet and it'll tell you, you know, that uh, Japan, uh, Japan in general always start with a two letter J a, yeah, obviously. And then, in America, there's so many states and so many, you know, um, the continent's so huge, it's all broken out into sections. And so each section has a two-letter or one-letter character prefix and then a number which denotes which section you're sort of in. So, like, in the case of where I were in New Hampshire, I'm uh, in section one. So my call is November 1 Juliet Uniform Radio. And so it's just N1JUR. And so that, that call sign's tied to me. People, when they look me up, and confirm my call sign, you know, can look at my information and confirm that I am a licensed ham radio operator. And Adam's call sign is a little different than mine. It's KB1ICD. And my dad's call sign is KC1QDK. Man, I say it so often, it's like you forget and if you, when you're trying to remember what you're saying. But um, And so when you're having a conversation with someone, you're exchanging your call signs back and forth. So you're required, you you were required at one time. Um, now you're not, but people still do it anyway. You're required to keep a log. And so it's sort of like, you know, your guest book at a hotel. You're, you're putting your name in there. You're putting the person's call sign in there. And because we're in the 21st century, there's a whole bunch of software out there that allows logging to make things easy. Um, so you're going to look up their call sign and all their information is going to be imported into your log for them. And then that signal report came from or derived from you know CW, you know basically CW or Morse code and what it is is a three letter notation really it's boiled down to two now but some people still do the three letter a uh, three number and really it means is signal quality um, signal strength and signal readability and so the best you can have is a 599 or 59 most cases 59 is like you and I talking in this conversation I get your 59. You know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, cool. A lot of clear, no problem. If you're a 5-2 or a 5-1, it, it could be that, you know, I can sort of hear you. I can make that stuff out, but something else is interfering or something's not really, like, enough to make your signal super strong. Right. So you get the signal report. And then if you're into what they call rag chewing, which is an old term that came from way back in the 30s. I don't know where it came from, but it's not a hand radio term. Um, but in a rag chew, you're just conversating back and forth. Now... There are a couple of bands, and you know those in the ham radio community know it all, um, that there's the 80-meter band, and that's the old-timers band where they all talk about their ailments, and they all talk about, you know, <laughs> about how their life is this way, and they're all opinionated. Um, and, you know... You don't sound like you have any opinions at all, Fife. I, I, do, not, I do not stay... I do not <laughs> camp out on the 80-meter band whatsoever. I just don't have time to listen to some 80-year-old person's, you know, fifth trip to the doctors about, you know, their colonoscopy or whatever. Um, you know, but people, when, you know, they're conversing locally and having conversations, it's sort of like a chat room 
but for radio. So like I have a radio in my truck and Adam has a radio in the truck and there's a computer, basically a radio up on a hilltop and those connect both those radios together based off of frequencies and a bunch of other stuff. And so when I key up the microphone, Adam can hear me and I can hear him and we can talk back and forth and whoever else is listening can, you know, be part of that whole conversation. So that's kind of the conversation in most, you know, cases. Um, and it varies, you know, beyond that, if you want to talk more about, you know, how your day was or whatever. Cool. So, so let me ask, what's the kind of, if I just wanted to get started on ham radio, what's sure. like the initial investment? Basically time and reading. So all the materials today are out on the internet for free. The only cost you really have is taking the test, which is uh, you can take it locally now that because of COVID, they do them all online everywhere pretty much. So the online tests are like 20 bucks. And then the FCC is now starting to charge ham radio, ham radio operators for license upgrades and uh, first time license uh, purchases. So there's three levels of licensing. There's a technician license, which is the entry level and you get allotted certain bands and frequencies that you have to stay and operate in. And then if you want to go up to the next level, which is general, which gives you more of your HF or high frequency privileges, you know, to talk around the world, um, you can do more of that and more frequencies. And then they have a level above that, which is extra, which is like, you know, hey, you got everything and you can talk to everybody and anything on any mode. Cool. <clears throat> That's awesome. And how much is a entry level radio? Do you, do you know? <laughs> just like Adam's hobby, um, you can get into it with a cheap, you know, $25 HT which is a handy talkie or handheld radio, which, you know, is something like this, like something like this small. Yep. Um, or you can go above and beyond that. Um, I probably can show you my camera. So like, no, it's too short. Um, there's a whole slew of equipment over here in the rack and I can post pictures and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, the investment is like, how much do you want? And the funny thing is a hobby. It's not like a scale. It's not like, um, uh, a progressional type uh, hobby where you have to go from one thing to the next to the next. It's like, hey, if I feel like doing this, I can go do this. If I feel like you can bits you know, and piece it together, you don't have yeah, to buy you, like everything at once. Like I can buy a better antenna and not have to buy an entirely new radio. Kind of the conversation. And in or you could be the total opposite because the ham radio FCC grants ham radio operators the option to experiment. So you don't have to go out and buy anything commercial. You can build your own transmitter. You can put up your own antennas. You can buy your, you buy the pieces to build all those things. There are manuals that are thicker than the library of Congress books that explain antenna theory and how to build an antenna and what types of antennas. And, you know, or you can be on, go beyond that. Like I have guys that I hang around with that, you know, they're, spending 10 grand on a tower to put up in their backyard with, you know, big, long, you know, beams and wires and they're spending, you know, 10,000, you know, between eight and $10,000 on equipment. And, you know, but it's like anything, if you're trying to find those weak, weak signals, like there's a big thing in the ham radio world called, uh, D expeditions. And it's kind of like, um, a vacation for ham radio operators to go to a very rare island or a very rare location that doesn't have any ham radio operators per se operating. And so what they call is it they 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 um they do fundraising like the Ben did for his you know mission trip. They fundraise all their money and everything they need to be able to haul out to the island for a month and a half or wherever they're going, like Bouvet Islands, middle of nowhere. If you've ever been seen pictures of Bouvet Island, it's desolate. I mean, there's nothing out there. And if you don't go out at the right time, you can become shipwrecked and stuck out there for long periods of time. So they're putting an expedition to go out there. And it's kind of like this 
great thing for people in the ham radio communities. When they get out there, they set up all these towers and they operate, you know, as a special event station and you get, you know, cards and stuff like that. Um, one of the big things that I really loved about ham radio, I still do. Do I have one? Um, I do. That one's actually not a really good one, but this one. So just so everybody knows, Bouvet Island's in the North Atlantic. Yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. I believe it's clo- the clo- uh, actually it's in the South Atlantic, down near Antarctica. It's off the coast of South of Africa. Yeah. Um, so there are things in ham radio that happened a very long time ago that I, th- I think are still pretty cool these days, and they still people still do it. It's called what they call a QSL card. And basically, it's a confirmation paper card. And a lot of people, you know, when they were doing them, would they be three by five cards? And they'd be pretty cool because what they do is like some people would like really go creative with their cards. Like this guy, you know, this is a, I'm sure it's a, a Mo Larry and Curly reference with his card and his call sign and stuff like that. And it, you know, basically on the other side, if you can read it, it, it basically says call sign and other information about the contact that I made. And it's basically a paper form contact. And so in the late, 80s and even early 70s and 60s and 50s this was the only way to confirm your contact with the other person that you made so if you had one of these then you can confirm that you know the contact was legit and you would send your card and people spend a lot of money in you know sending these three by five cards around that they you know it's still pretty cool to see them but now most of the stuff today is all electronic confirmation so you know as i make a contact with somebody in 15 20 minutes i'm going to get an update saying hey he's already confirmed you know but getting them in the mail are pretty cool because my wife gets them. She's like, Oh, you got a new QSL card. I'm like, Oh, it's cool. But she's like, Oh, I really like this one. The last one was the eh, so, so, you know, so she kind of gets into it a little bit, but she'll never admit that, you know, ham radios, you know, that cool thing, which I don't expect her to either. It doesn't have well, to be cool for you to do it. That's right. <laughs> I was going to take that in another direction. Eric, but I, like, I like where you took it anyway. <laughs> No, nah, man, it's, it's, um, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. There's uh that's, that's pretty impressive. There's, there's uh that's pretty cool. So we've got two of us left to talk about our hobbies. Um, Mr. Romanek, what is the hobby that you will be chatting about this evening? I wanted to chat about my, my love of food. We, 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 did, I, we talked about going a different direction, but I mean, man, I, I am that guy that will, uh, Whenever I'm going on a business trip or whenever I'm out of town, I always quest for like like food from that area or things that that area is known for or just re- like I will tell you pretty much every business trip I find the best pizza place I can near wherever I am because I, I pizza is always on my list of quest mm-hmm. items but mm-hmm. like um but yeah, I mean, I just I've always loved food and so I do and just by blind luck, my wife never cooked a meal for me before we got married. But just by blind luck, I married a really, really good cook. You did. You really did. You really did. See, That's a good. I bet you, 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 you probably were over her house a couple of times and watched your mother cook to confirm a lot of that. Even like it's subliminally. Honestly, you're giving me far more credit than I deserve. I really didn't. <laughs> I mean, her mom cooked well, and and I did eat her food, but I. I didn't even, I wasn't even paying attention, honestly. <laughs> I just figured we'd live at my parents' house and I'd eat there. <laughs> <laughs> very short term plans. Wow. That was very short lived. So, uh, when did Heather, you, that one. so, when did you first realize that food was uh, an important, like trying different <laughs> foods was an important piece? When he was about to die because he didn't. 
Yes. Like, I need to eat. I'm pretty sure I never had a problem where I was about to die from not eating Adam. I'm pretty sure that was never my problem. Yeah, this uh, is yeah. radar. Yeah. Um I think so when I was young, my parents my dad used to travel a lot. He did a lot of business eating out. I don't think it was a huge deal for him, but we always had it felt like we tried a lot of different stuff, especially when I was older, like got to like junior high, high school and stuff. My dad worked at a technology company. And so they, he ate a broad variety of food there. But even like, even when I was a little younger, my parents and I would like, they would take me out to nice restaurants, like where you had to have manners and like dress up and stuff just so we could experiment. My When I was young, my mom actually, when we were still living in Colorado, so that was before I was seven, my mom actually took like a high end, like culinary course. And so, like, we had, like, a fancy dinner at home with, like, baked Alaska. And, like, I remember the baked Alaska because it was on fire. But the the whole meal was, like, all high-end. We ate it on China, like, the China my parents had and stuff. And I just loved the adventure of the food. And as we got older, um, we really enjoyed, like, going to nice restaurants, going to unique restaurants, trying out, like, different types of food. So... I, I think I probably started loving it when my mom was doing all those culinary things when I was younger, but it just kind of matured as I got older. And, I, you know, we have a lot of fun trying things out in this house mm-hmm. from food for food perspective. Nice. And I like going out places, too, and finding new places like restaurants in the area and restaurants wherever I am, too. So what do you think? What so- do you think? Good. Bye. I was going to say, so in the scope of things, and you obviously, if you heard previous podcasts with me conversating, I just like eat food to eat food sometimes, although being around you guys, that's changed. When, like, when did you, like, do you, in your day, course of your day, how many times do you think about preparing or planning for your next meal? That usually dictates to me how much you really love food. <laughs> so, uh, probably eight or 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> on a normal day. And and it may okay. not all be for today, right? I might be like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to eat leftovers today, but that's okay. But uh, can we get out to, like, Mark's Pizza for, like, dinner sometime this week? Actually, it's really funny. <laughs> My wife has to go to a dentist appointment tomorrow. And she, when she found out, she, it's in Chelmsford. And so when she found out she had to do that, she's like, we should take that as an opportunity to go on a date. You can drive me down, and then we'll go out for Detroit-style pizza in Westford because we're already three-quarters of the way there. I'm like, this is awesome. Let's go, you know, because there's not that many Detroit style pizzas in New England. So, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I probably, my wife would say the words I hate to hear the most are, Hey hon, what's for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, it's only breakfast. Can't we get through lunch first? (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Like, so to give you a scope of, I think maybe twice a day. About <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've definitely handed it on to my kids. My son, Ben will spend, he'll spend half an hour to 45 minutes just making his lunch. And it's usually out of leftovers, but he's got some concoction that he put together that he, that makes it almost a gourmet meal. It's like absolutely entertaining. So, <laughs> so what do you think separates somebody that like just, a foodie from somebody that just like likes to eat, you know, or would you call yourself a foodie versus somebody who likes to eat? I would call myself a foodie. I problems. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would have called myself somebody that just liked to eat when I was like five, Younger. 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. You know, 
now I'm I, I'm more selective. I don't just eat to eat anymore. Like there was a time where I probably was medicating myself with food a little bit. Um, but when I changed the way I ate, I got much more selective and, and my taste buds got better. Like I, when I was eating less junk, I could taste things better. And it was really apparent to me. Um, actually bell peppers are what was really apparent to me because like before I stopped eating a lot of junk, bell peppers always tasted wicked bitter to me. Mm. And when I changed the way I ate they actually started tasting good again. And then everything else also tasted good. Like when I stopped eating a bunch of junk food, I was able to taste everything else better. So, but I mean, to be fair, I've, I've pretty much food network was like my channel of choice for a long time. Just cause I, you know, <laughs> iron chef, not even America, but the original iron chef was a show. I really enjoyed watching, um, good eats, like how it was all made. Like, and, and, mm -hmm. Because I'm married to my wife, we would make some of the stuff that was on Good Eats. We would make some of the stuff that we saw on those shows, and we would just have a lot of fun. And and so now it's really funny. Like my kids joke, whenever I cook, I make risotto because I figured out how to make risotto in the Instapot, and it's awesome. Nice, you know. Nice. Um, but risotto is not an easy thing, and it's not a quick thing. But there are ways to make it easier and quicker, and I like the flavors of it. So, um, but I, yeah, I don't know. That's probably it's probably a fine line. Is the answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> and there may be days when I just like to eat, but I do, I do like good stuff too. What was that, Eric? Do you prefer, like, have you gotten to the point or maybe you have, and you just decided to go back the other direction is it like, do you prefer to be more on the side of the eating part of it or, and, you know, tasting the cuisine or being part of the, the process to make to where you are? Because you obviously risotto, risotto is tough to do. You can screw it up really fast, but you know, like, do you, after doing that, do you find that you're just like, hey, I want to just, you know, be on the receiving side versus being the production side of it, per se, I guess is the best way to say it? So this is a, that's a funny question, because I like cooking, but I'm not very, like, the hardest part of cooking, in my view of the world, is coordinating everything so that it's done at the same time. Mm, yep. Like, that part is so hard for me, and it's something you only get good at by doing it, and like really making the same dishes over and over again. So you know how long things take. Yeah. My right. wife is awesome at that. I suck at it. So I would yeah. much rather just eat a well-prepared meal <laughs> than make it. But I do like making it. And sometimes I just don't have the time too. That's the other problem. Like to cook food, you have to like buy food. You have to know what you're going to cook. You have to assemble it. Now, that being said, I'll be happy to go out and grill something for you. That's easy. Sure. Right. Um, and I can cook. My kids seem to like what I make when I make it. They're all alive, so right, we know right, right. Cook. And I fed, I fed all of you more than a couple times. So yeah, we didn't die for hamburgers. <laughs> yeah, hamburgers, chicken, Definitely. sausages. Yep. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. you know, but I, I do like cooking. I will like, I would like cooking more if I had a little more time to give some mm. thought to it. You know, so. Are you like so in your scale of food across the board? Like, were you more of a main dish guy, or are you just like you know you're more app like like we obviously had that whole dessert thing, and I you know put my foot in my mouth that. So I'm I'm asking you direct. So what, what what's your favorite? <laughs> um, so I am an equal opportunity eater. I like them all, but if I had to lean, I probably lean appetizer, main course, and not dessert. Just, I, I don't hate dessert. I found some really, really yummy desserts and I am married to Heather. So I'm kind of stuck 
with delicious yeah. desserts. But if we were to go out, and this is kind of a funny story, like if we go out, I pick the dessert, we each get our own main course, and Heather picks the dessert. Sorry, I pick the appetizer. We each pick our main course, and Heather picks the dessert, right? Because for her, for me, the meal is complete when we've had the appetizer in the main course, but for her, it's not really complete until she's had yeah. the dessert. Right, right. Sure. So. Interesting. Do you ever think you're going to change, or are you going to always? Uh, I, like I will tell you, I like dessert a lot more now than I ever used to. I think yeah. part of that's because I'm married to Heather, and she makes really good desserts, but... I will also tell you that often when I get desserts out, I'm disappointed because between my mom oh, and Heather, course. I have some of the best desserts ever. And it's just, it's not even close. Don't like there the are candle. things I won't buy in a restaurant, you know, because I huh. end up being disappointed by them. So. Do you like, so with the whole food thing, like, is it, there's obviously the relational aspect of like, you find that it's better to like in a, like, will you you prefer going out in a food scenario where you're just you and say Heather, or you and many people, or is it like do you have? And then how does that sway your decisions in terms of food? So, I do love taking Heather out to eat, although she is uh, she would I think she would frequently rather do takeout, um, just because they could be home. Yeah, right, exactly, home relaxing. Um, I don't mind going out in groups, but I typically on a on a dining out thing, I don't usually go in large groups. It's usually like four to six people, like it's me nice. and two other couples, maybe kind of conversation. Because beyond sure. that, it gets really hard to have any real interaction mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff. Now that being said, I do go out with my family and there's twenty of us. So <laughs> you know that's different. But it my I guess my preferred would be probably smaller. And and I will tell you, I used to justify my eating out by saying, this is us investing in relationship, hon. Right. Like, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> my yeah. love language. Yeah, right. When are you going to learn? <laughs> so, but yeah. Cool. Jesus and, is here in our steak and lobster. That's and right. my LA. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, the lobster. Yeah, but cool. I am that kid that used to take pictures of his food. Like, when I would quest for food, Facebook before, would. Yeah. Before it was the thing yeah, right. on the internet. Yeah. So. so so Eric, if um let's say your whole family leaves, it's just you in the house and you're like, I'm gonna i I'm gonna have dinner tonight, what's your like like is it I'm gonna go to the store, I'm gonna get like some food and prepare it, I'm gonna order here, I'm gonna go, maybe like go out to somewhere, like what's your I can have any I just about anything I want right now. Like you set some money aside, you the family's not around, you have to worry about feeding the rest of the family. What's your like I'm gonna go have this right now? Because I can. You know, I'm going to pick two. If I had unlimited funds, a great steak, like Mm -hmm. at a steakhouse, made well with a little bit of butter on top, a good seasoning. And, you know, I don't even need a lot of sides, but like some some vegetable sides, maybe like a mashed potato or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's delicious. And it's really, really good. But I also will tell you, on the opposite end of that spectrum, in the affordable, I would just go to the pho place. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. a good pho, like every day, yeah. every pho is an adventure. You know, it's like yeah. how do I season it with the spicy? How do I season it with the hoisin? Yeah, you know, yeah. like it's like everyone's a new one. It's there's there's enough consistency that you know it's going to yeah. be good, but it's enough adventure that you're never bored. <laughs> well, last True. last question: What's the best the best meal you've ever eaten? <laughs> D- 
the best meal I've ever eaten was actually, um, it was an out-to-eat meal. Uh, it was when I was working for a company called Par Excel, which is based out of Bilrica. Um, they took us, we had just finished a project, and for the project wrap-up, we had a celebration dinner, and we went to this place called The Blue Ginger, which was mm-hmm. run by this TV chef. His name was Ming Tsai, and he was known for for um, cooking fusion, which is like Asian food, Asian ingredients with European preparations and vice versa. And a little plutonium. And a little plutonium, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which made it all glow, which, you know, it's a pretty That's cool right. fact all in all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we got the chef's tasting menu, and we did eight courses. Oh. And, and and we basically tried That's every awesome. a little bit of every specialty on his menu. And, man, I had the best sake, the best red wine, the best white wine, and mm. the best mixed drink I've ever had on top of this spectacular spread and variety of food. Wow. And, and it was just a great time. So that was probably so- the best meal i've ever had i've had some other ones that came very close but that one was Mm -hmm. pretty incredible wow so i was gonna ask a similar question because i think it kind of goes in line like you have two options you either have a full sit-down meal that you're sitting down with the intimate couple whatever be the case enjoying a sit-down meal or you have the option to be able to do a food tour which one would you go intimate with one other couple or just me and my wife whatever say four people Small little intimate scenario, sitting at you know one type of food, or being able to do a food tour where you're bouncing between different restaurants, sampling different things, you know, beers and wines, and the whole kicking a boodle all the way straight through. Oh, man, that's a hard one. I think I'd probably do the cozy one, the four, the little two couple well, thing. I, I, I but I, I would love to do a food tour. They're just different things, right? One is mm. is not as much about the food; it's about the relationship, and I, you know. Mm. I, right. I joked about justifying our eating out as part of a relationship, but I really do feel like eating out, sh- breaking bread with somebody is a great way to build relationship, period. And so, <laughs> you know, when I, so it's a funny story. When I got this job, um, our first quarter was spectacular and Tim and I and our wives went out and it was just a great time to like spend together, you know, just a celebration of, hey, we pulled this off. It looks like it's going to be great, blah, 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 blah. But it was also just good time together, you know, and I think there's a lot of value to that. And that's one of the things that's great about food is it does mm-hmm. it provides a it's a great social way to be social and friendly and to build connection and fellowship. So but I would love a good food tour, too. It's a it's a one A, one B kind of scenario, not necessarily very similar to ham radio in that in that regard. You're 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 connecting oh, with other people. Tell, tell. That's right. Connecting <laughs> to other people. Yeah, yeah. Mine's a short little conversation. Eric's like, dude, how are you doing? <laughs> no, really. Oh, how are you and doing? You're also eating at the time, which I would prefer over six nine or four seven two and five by five, five by nine. But put it this but, way, we had our field day. Yeah, we had our beers off in the corner and our food and a great food you, nice. but uh, yeah, cool. Adam can contest. So what about <laughs> you, out. Paul? Cool. Yeah. What's your hobby of I, choice? I don't have any hobbies. That's um, a lie. Oh, You're now a homeowner. There's a hobby. I am. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> he likes to collect <laughs> matches. <laughs> Some people matches. study rocks, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my uh, chosen <laughs> hobby is guitar. Uh, that's the one that that comes to mind when I think of, um, especially now, like what I spend most of my time doing with, I'm not working or making food or eating or sleeping or, 
what have you. Okay. So guitar, like you can, you can be the technical side of guitar. You can be the musical side of guitar, which side of guitar. Yeah. You so are. I was never that. I was definitely the musical, the art, the artist side. I was the creative. I was never the, and I only recently, like super recently started to get to, Hey, these are all some cool tones I could make. So like, you know, I started on acoustic and that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to sing and play. And so, you know, um, at the church I'm at now, um, I started on the, the worship team as playing electric, but it's not like I can play lead. I could play a lot of lead. So, you know, this guy, Jeff really took me under his wing and he was like, let me show you. But even then, like, I just, you know, I didn't, I never really got into it. And it's only been recently that I've, um, really leaned into, um, you know, I got a, a different effects processor and really kind of digging and, and, and like seeing all the different sounds I can make. And it's got a looper as part of it. So you can like play something and loop it and then play over that and just starting to learn some of that. So it's been, it's been really fun lately. It's been, um, I've been really enjoying it lately. It's been, it's been cool. That's awesome. Okay. So you touch upon obviously all of the, the toys part of it. Like, do you, are you more like I know you obviously started simplified and then you like with every hobby you get into like, oh, I've got to have nine effects pedals and each one of them does a little bit different. And then you get into yeah. the you know, give me effects racks and, you know, right. give me two amplifiers and blah, blah, blah. But um, where like like for your set, like have you like gotten to that point in your head? Like, hey, I have a sound like is it, do you have Paul's sound. I don't know that I'd say it's it's mine. I'd say that because I still lean very acoustic. Like when I went to um, a, a place up at Manchester, Manchester Music Mill, which is awesome, um, I was looking for a new acoustic guitar, and I spent. I didn't look at the electrics at all. I spent so much time like w uh, with the acoustics, and that's that's where my leaning. So because that's true, I don't really like my like an effects pedal. Like a, a, I have a, a multi effects pedal, right? So like for me, that's fine. Like that's all I need. Like there's. There, in fact, there's a much, much more expensive one. Actually, it's similar to at, at the what Adam was saying. There's like a $300 one and a $1,500 one. And I went to the $300 one, and I was like, "This is fine for me. Like, it does all I need to do when I want to play electric, and I need to like, you know, play you know rhythm, or I need to get a good lead sound and get some. There's some really good tones, but like I said, it's only really recently that it's been like, hey, I like the way that that sounds." And, and no, I don't like the way that this sounds. So I would say I have a little bit of a sound, but it's not like I put it together. I just sort of, the, there's some people that put like, so when you have a multi-effects processor, people will make patches for it. So I've gotten some patches and I've been like, hey, this is really good. Like, I like this. And so like, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, the mod modeling has come a long way. Um, I've started to learn how you can, you know, move, um, you know, some of the, the pedals around because if you have like a compressor and then, uh, I don't know, a, um, you know, you know, different other pedals, it sounds differently that the, depending on how, like which, yeah. which, uh, which, which way you Order put it. Up yeah. So, um, yeah, that's fun. It's, how it's did you time. get into it though? Just playing as a kid, high school kid, or college kid. Yes. Yeah. So I, so, <laughs> so We're in a band. we, um, so when I got back from the, it's fun. I get to t tell, talk about two, two failure type things. Um, so when oh, I, le when I left, the, when I left the Academy, when I flunked out, I got home and I started to go to college at, uh, in the area and around about the same time, our, we had a f house fire and somewhere around that time I got a, I, I just, I had an acoustic guitar and I just started to learn. So I, I had, um, 
a bunch of tab books like Eric Clapton, his unplugged um, album and a bunch of like chord books and like how to learn. So I just started to learn, but like the, um, so when our, when we had a house fire, we lived in a trailer that was on the front yard and those walls were so thin that I couldn't strum. I had to play fingers. So to this day, like I'm, I, I'm pretty good finger picking. Like I can play, I can strum it, but my, my happy place is just kind of finger picking along on an acoustic guitar, which is basically how I learned. So, you know, I, I can remember a couple of times, like I remember the, <clears throat> I was learning, um, Jewel's song. Um, what is it? Who, who will, <sighs> we didn't start the who fire. Will, who will save the soul or something like that. Yeah. Who will who will save save your soul? Soul, yep. Yep. And I remember I had, I'd gotten it down to where, because there's a part when you're when you're learning guitar, there's a part of it where you're playing it and it doesn't sound like anything and it sounds dumb and it sounds lame. And then all of a sudden you go over and you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds like the song. And that moment happened as soon as Tower was walking into my house one day. And so I played it. I'm like, Tower, listen to this. Like this sounds like the song, you know, like something that would probably would have been a little cringy at in, in the moment. And even now I was thinking about it, but like, I was just like, I just made the, like making the same sound as what you heard on the radio or the song was like mind blowing. I'm, Cause I, up until that time, I was like, it's all magic and I don't know how they do it and whatever. And um, I think there was a point where like, Hey, wait a minute. Like I can play what they play. Like obviously not as well, not at the same time, not as in rhythm. But, um, not in rhythm. But I like, can't change hey, chords this... fast enough. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> I know what they are, but I can't. Hurry up, hurry up. Um, so yeah, that was that was really yeah, that was really fun. That was really cool. And then it just kind of went on from there. And then you know, as you guys know, um, I learned you know a couple of chords, and then our um, our uh, our our youth pastor turned pastor Steve Skinner was like, hey Paul, we need somebody to lead worship at this new church plant that we're putting together. And I was like, well, I know four chords. I should probably learn some more one, some more chords. Um, and he's and like, nah, that's like fifty percent kind of, of the there. music you need yeah, to play. <laughs> seriously, it really was legit, <laughs> legitimately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, it's where it uh, where it went from there. It's pretty awesome. So, what's your bet? Like, if you presented then again back to this whole scenario that I presented with Eric. Acoustic guitar or electric? You only play one. For the rest of my Which, life, or? Well, yeah. Okay, or, fine. Sure. Or just like <laughs> like. Until um, you die. Yeah, I think you know. I um. I mean, I think at the end of the day, the singing and playing is really it's just where I feel most like this is I'm doing what I should be doing. Like playing electric is super fun, and I love playing and like. You know, when I've been in the band kind of supporting everybody and locking in with the bassist and the drummer and just, you know, like being able to be a part of the band, like live music is the best thing. I love live music is, is so is so awesome. Um, but like, I think at the end of the day, like just being able to strum and sing is just like, it's my happy place. So I would, okay. uh, yeah, I think Go that, acoustic. That's, what I would, that's what I would choose. To go on acoustic. Well, the great so thing about correct. acoustic is you can just take it with you wherever you go. You can play it anywhere. You don't have to be plugged in. Electric. electric now has these small little amplifiers. You can it just you know, bring well, and the, and the thing too, and this is something I didn't know until I started to do play electric was like, they're, they're really very different instruments. Like they, they're, they do different things. Like with the acoustic is like, I'm going to, you know, it's almost like percussion. When you're in a band, you're just percussion. You're just playing along and you're kind of riding the wave. But electric is more like I'm going to add a little here and add a little here and then add a little bit here. So, like, you know, that's why, like, you know, when you see people leading worship, it's generally not a guy on an electric guitar. 
by himself. It's usually, you know, either person on piano or person on acoustic because they're just, I don't think I really got the fact on how different instruments they are until I, like I was listening to um, the band, the police and there was a song and I realized that the guy that playing electric wasn't playing chords. He was playing like a lead line under it. And it was amazing. I was like, Oh, that's the job. You're not, you're, you're, yeah, it just, it just, it blew my mind. So, um, and if, yeah, so, so, uh, just seeing how different they are, I think is pretty, is pretty cool. So now are you beyond the, uh, the tab side, you actually can now reach it. No, music? cannot read sheet music. I'm very much that meme of how do you get a guitar player to stop playing? You put sheet music in front of them. So <laughs> I, I do not. I do not know. So how to read sheet music. And do you use your I'll tell you to... though, like, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, uh, no, no, you're, you're good. So I'll tell you one of the things that, that I did learn is, um, or starting to learn it's mid, in the midst of learning is not the Nashville num- numbering system. So instead of seeing That's chords as letters like G, C, and D, it's the the numbers refer to like what the one chord is or the three chord or the two the four chord. So that way, so in other words, if if there's a song and this is how the session players do it, right? If there's a song in G, and they instead of having G C D because like we could just change the change the key, the singer could come in and say, "Hey, I want to do it in A." You just have like one, so G C D would be one. What is it? One three four, and so like. You just say one, three, four, and then you would come in and they'd go, Oh, play it in G. Oh, you know what? Let's play it in A. And you just know, Oh, A is, you know, A, D, E, right? And so that's what, what we started to do a little bit before COVID at church to be because it, it would happen fairly not too often, but like it gets you in the mode of thinking about things from a music perspective, thinking about things from music theory. So I don't know music theory, but I know just enough to be dangerous. And of course, the awesome thing is that, you know, in, in, uh, you know, in, in God's, in God's uh, family, you know, everybody plays their part. So there's people in the band that know it much better than I do. So when I'm like, Hey guys, there's something weird going on here. What am I missing? They're like, Oh, you need to play this chord or this is this way or, or what have you. So, um, yeah, so that's that's pretty it's cool. all cool. But you lost me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> you lost me at hello. That's Dude, like that's... that's like Eric talking ham radio. It's just like mm. right. exactly. <laughs> um, so, do you serenade your wife with your guitar at all? No. <laughs> I I don't these days though. That is how I asked her to marry me. Oh, is it? If yeah, have I? Yeah, have I not? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was funny. Uh, we... So it was a it was a Christmas Eve. Um, you know the year. <clears throat> probably the not the year before we get married but the year before the year because we got married in, in february so yep. it would have been two years before and um it was christmas eve we're at my parents house and i pulled out my guitar and i'm like i'm gonna sing our song and then i'm gonna ask her and when you i pulled out my guitar story. yeah go ahead and when, when i pulled out my guitar my aunt was sitting just to the left of me and she goes and, and my my you know then girlfriend soon to be fiance soon to be wife was to my right and my aunt Diane said, "You're not going to sing to her, are you?" <laughs> and I was like, "Actually, that's exactly what I'm going to do." <laughs> and you know, so I just and I sang, I sang and I sang her song. And, and aunt. I must have. Did you come uh, out and say, "If well. I could save time in a yeah. bottle"? <laughs> yeah. No, I said, "Feel like bacon." Did it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you guys know that song. I'm not. You have like two more but years yeah. going on that one. <laughs> Yeah, before you jinx the band and they break up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. so good. 
Dude, that's awesome. So, like, what was the one thing I wanted to say? So, where you were in your musical career from a worship perspective and your band experience, which route would you go if you had the choice? Like, would you continue to be more in the worship side or do you want it? Like, did you ever have the desire to, like, let's be on the road, man? Yeah, that's like, it's only been a recent thing that I've been like, being on the road would be kind of fun, but it wouldn't be a, I don't know, I don't think it would be a secular band. Like, I've never really, like, there's some songs I like to play, you know, Free Fallen, um, there's some, uh, some uh, the gambler there's some songs that i actually like on an acoustic guitar that's kind of fun to play that's so funny but, but like i've never like there's nothing there's nothing that connects me from a heart perspective like worship music so like i mean the fact that i get to play in a band like on a band and I, we don't have a full band every sunday but like when i'm there and it's the whole band and you know we're doing a um, a big song like the last time I led, we did "Our God Is Love" by Hillsong, and you know we get to use some tracks under it, so like it kind of fills out the fills out the sound and full drum set, electric bass. It just it's just like yeah, this is this is really fun. Is Fiamosa. Fun. That's right. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> I don't ever. <laughs> yeah, I wish I knew then what I know now about how to play music. It would be we would be we would have been a lot better. Hey, that riff was great. <laughs> that riff was great. I think- I, I that one riff that I knew, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. one time was game, I only knew like root chords and bass. We would be a horrible band. That <laughs> <laughs> was no sting by any stretch of the imagination whatsoever. <laughs> no, no. Cool. Well, I um, hope that y'all have enjoyed listening to our hobbies. Um, you've got to have something on the side. You've got to have something. I mean, even if you have a job that you love and adore, there's got to be something on the side that um that you like to do that fills you up and even better if it connects you with other people i mean i think all of us that has been a theme that comes that came through i mean i play music with other people that's you know what i've told people that there's nothing more fun in the world than playing music with other people you know adam has had other people you know come over from mapling he's he's connected with other people um you know eric goes out to to uh, lunch and, and dinner with other people and then apparently there's some ham things you can do with it no then you connect you can connect with other people people from not even that are even that i mean the, clearly you halfway win because not even halfway around the world people on the international space station which is amazing so that's so basically what you, you're saying you win, is, you is that whether you are sheep herder you know, or we collect micro machines find a hobby that's right <laughs> find a hobby yes so, so make thanks. sure you're cheap your micro machines thanks so much for for listening to to our podcast um we hope that hey, you adam. glean something from it from it thanks adam um we hope that you glean some of the please rate our podcast on spotify or itunes and please connect us connect with us at feedback at forefatherspodcast.com and join our discord and and do that as well with our channel so thanks again for listening we'll talk to you soon all right, guys. Well, it's, it's not like a 62 Merlot. I mean, oh, and thanks for listening to the Forefathers Podcast, where we talk about faith, fatherhood, and other F words. If you want to learn more, head over to our website at the number four, fatherspodcast.com. If you'd like to help our show, make sure you give us a review on iTunes or in the podcast app of your choice. Those reviews help others find our show. And if you have any other questions or comments, you can send those to feedback at forefatherspodcast.com.